0: Glad to have, glad to be here.
1: Now, where was this? Where were you guys, seminary classmates?
0: Uh, yeah, James and I were both uh, seminarians at the Master's Seminary in Los Angeles, and our studies there briefly overlapped. Uh, he wasn't someone I knew except in passing, but uh, he was a graduate of the same seminary.
1: Okay, so and you can talk to this on a couple of different levels. You are, as we say, a minister yourself, and we'll talk some uh, here in this morning in the time that we have about your church, Treasuring Christ Church, the church I am blessed to attend. But uh, you can also speak to this. Uh, you are, in addition to being a pastor, a minister, a lawyer, you have a law degree at any rate, so you can speak perhaps, if not, to the ins and outs of Canadian law as it relates to us and concerns that we might have here our laws, uh, but my understanding—I want to make sure I get this right. Uh, first of all, I, I checked again this morning. A guy is still in jail, as far as I know, and has been for a while. I, it is, as I have stated, he—he he was not arrested and put behind bars for preaching, to be precise. Uh, He exceeded the limits. His church exceeded the limits of its capacity. That's what alerted the RCP, the Royal Canadian Police. Uh, That's what got them concerned and the authorities there concerned. There are too many people in this church. He said, I'm not going to turn people away. That's not what churches are supposed to be doing. And so, yeah, again, he wakes up behind bars. Uh, Fill in some blanks there. What happened in this case?
0: Well, he was charged with violating, from what I understand, something called Alberta's uh, Public Health Act. And they had set limits arbitrarily at uh, 15% capacity, which means that he couldn't have more than 15% capacity of what the building could hold. And uh, they've been wall to wall, especially uh, since this have all come down. Only more people have come to that church. And so he was arrested, I believe, in February, and his trial isn't going to be until May. So meanwhile, he's sitting in jail, has a wife, uh, some young children, and... uh not able to see them.
1: And uh, uh, neither here nor there, I suppose, but interesting nonetheless. I, I just noted in the last few days uh, walking out of that particular lockup there in Canada was a, a sex offender, a child sex offender. Release him, but keep the pastor behind bars because you're concerned about the threat he poses, uh, but less so the threat that's posed by the sex offender.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, you have the sex offender who's walking around as free and here is James in jail. In fact, uh, from what I understand, if even if he's convicted of, uh, of this public health act, uh, jail time is not part of the sentencing. So he's being held in jail for something that even if the crime uh, that he's been charged with, he's convicted of, he can't be sentenced to jail for. It's, uh, essentially, the judge is holding him um, in jail as a way to keep him from continuing to preach and pastor that church.
1: And right, as I mentioned, then, as you discussed in our service on Sunday, the concern, Pastor Boyd Johnson, the concern that we should all share, uh, the extent to which and how and when things like this might begin to happen here. And as I say, you can, you can approach this from any level you choose. You can speak to, as you did on Sunday, uh, the matter uh, as it relates to our theology. You can speak to it as a, as a lawyer and someone who can address this from that perspective. What and when should we be concerned?
0: Well, we should be concerned right now. I think we're quickly approaching a time where um, Christians in this country uh, are going to find that their faith is costly. For a long time in our country, uh, we've been able to freely worship and live out our convictions, but it does appear that those those days may be coming to a close. We've seen evidence of that in this past year with uh, the, the reaction to... Uh, the coronavirus and the lockdowns and churches in this country and elsewhere have been targeted. Churches have been forced to close or fined for opening their doors. Uh, there's the cancel culture of um, canceling those whose beliefs are consistent with biblical teaching. Books are being banned. People's livelihoods are being lost. Their reputations is ruined. Um, and then we have this Equality Act, which I don't know a lot about, but it's coming down the pike. It's been passed in the, the House of Representatives. And uh, that may be a a threat that's bigger than all these things. It would remove important protections Christians have under the law.
1: Such as? What protections do Christians, and by the way, I understand completely that we wouldn't say simply Christians or only Christians, exclusively Christians. Any protections that extend to me extend to Muslims and Hindus, anyone else? So, So what specific protections are we talking about?
0: Well, with the Equality Act specifically, and again, I'm not an expert on this act, but the concern that I would have about it is that it cements the sexual revolution ethic into federal law. In other words, it adds sexual orientation and gender identity to the classifications protected uh, in federal civil rights law. It basically codifies the idea that male and female definitions are psychologically based, based on whatever you choose, rather than biologically based. And so the concern is that that codifies into law an immoral sexual ethic, and that'll have the effect, I think, of silencing, perhaps even criminalizing Christian beliefs God created mankind as male and female, that marriage is between man and a woman, and things like that.
1: You referenced uh, Pastor Boyd Johnson, Treasuring Christ Church. You referenced in your remarks of this past Sunday, you brought up uh, the writings of Peter uh, as relates to his views and uh, how we should respond to and live under the authority of civil governments. Paul speaks to that more extensively, I think, in Romans. uh, Help me out here. I think Romans 13. uh, A passage that is frequently cited by by secularists, and increasingly by Christians who say, wait a minute, you're supposed to obey the law. The Bible says you're supposed to obey the law. Now, I'm struck by the fact that the person who wrote those very words spent most of his adult life in prison and was executed for not obeying the civil authorities. But there are those (laughs) who would say that, that that tells us to comply with, for example, the laws in Canada or the laws here as relates to pastors and their ability to hold church. What say you?
0: well we have to read the rest of the bible as well we can see uh, acts of civil disobedience in the book of acts um where it's also said that we must obey god not men so when uh, man's law conflicts with god's law we must obey must obey god and just in relation to say pastor james up there in canada or uh convictions that we would have that would come under uh, under fire we understand that we live in this um in a a land of the Constitution that is is our law of the land, our freedom to worship and live out our Christian convictions are constitutionally protected. But we also have to understand the Constitution doesn't give us those rights. We know that those are inalienable rights given to us by God. So um, government can't take away what it didn't give, Um, our, our freedom to worship, our freedom to follow our convictions and to follow the Lord as he's commanded to us. Government just simply doesn't have jurisdiction over our worship. And that's what Pastor James up in Canada has been saying, uh, and and that's what we would say regarding whether the Equality Act or something like that. It's
1: also what Pastor John MacArthur has said for months out there in California as the authorities there have threatened his ability to hold his church, the, the very prominent uh, Grace Church out there in Los Angeles. Cy, you were and have spent some time with him. We'll take a brief break, come back, and talk about that other matters. Pastor Boyd Johnson, treasuring Christ Church uh, in Oconee County. As it would happen, uh, we were just discussing with our guest here, Boyd Johnson. Johnson, pastor, treasurer in Christ Church in Oconee County, a classmate of this pastor James Coates. Perhaps you've heard uh, in jail in Canada as we speak for well, preaching to too many people at his church in Canada. That's literally the charge. Uh, so, so Boyd Johnson has a familiarity with this guy and a familiarity with John MacArthur. Uh, John MacArthur, noted uh, evangelist, and and. Gadfly in California, where the governor has tried to shut down his church. John Boyd Johnson, continuing our conversation here. First of all, how, your relationship with John MacArthur, what is this?
0: Well, he was the president of the seminary that I went to, the Master's Seminary in Los Angeles. And then I've also worked for the university that he's been the president of in the past and got to know him through uh, those means.
1: And I, I don't believe the truth is in that man when he tells me he's in his early 80s, 82, 83 years old. the man looks amazing to be that old.
0: Yeah, he has, uh, it's amazing the energy that he has at that age and still going strong, has been going strong for 50 years as a pastor, a preacher out there, and a man of integrity a uh, wonderful man. Anybody who gets to know him will realize that uh, what he preaches, he also practices.
1: Now, he was asked, and then the, the piece of audio that brought us back there, he was asked about whether Christians, whether people in his church should take the coronavirus vaccine, and he responded kind of jokingly, kind of tongue-in-cheek there. There are people who do ask that question, though, about this and other vaccines. Is there a quote-unquote Christian biblical answer to a question like that?
0: Well, no, I think this is an issue of a freedom of conscience issue. I think one of the things we have to realize is that medicine is a good gift from God to us. We live in a sin-cursed world. He's graciously given medicine as one way to sustain our health. God has commanded us to have dominion over the earth, and so medicine is one expression of that. Uh, You know, I'm not going to give, in our church, a recommendation either to get it or not to get it. It's, It's up to other people. Um, but i i do think there could be some concerns off how these uh these vaccines some of them have been produced using uh, aborted fetal cells but nevertheless uh there are some concerns there but in terms of just having a vaccine, no, there's no concern there.
1: Again, Boyd Johnson, pastor, in Christ Church. About the church, first of all, uh, the church hadn't been around that long, just marking its sixth year in Athens and Oconee County. You planted this church here. Uh, tell us a bit about the church.
0: Yeah, the church planted from Grace Community Church, from John MacArthur's church, uh, moved out here about seven years. And six years ago, we planted the church in here in Athens and then uh, have planted recently moved to Coney County. So we're celebrating our sixth uh, anniversary right now.
1: What well, did you throw a dart at the map? How did you end up in Athens?
0: Uh, that's a great question. I wanted to be in a place where uh, a college town and particularly in the southeast. And so we started looking for a place that had a need for a church like ours and an opportunity. And uh, that need plus opportunity and our desire to be in a college town, I was saved as a freshman in college at the University of Missouri. And so uh it's been a wonderful uh, experience for us to move out here trusting in the Lord to plant this church and spread the gospel. And and edify the saints, and uh, we, we love it here.
1: Uh, about this time a year ago, almost this time a year ago, we're getting ready on a Sunday morning, getting ready to go to church, uh, and into the email inbox comes the word that there's not going to be any church, and, and for a few weeks there was no church, and then the uh, decision to reconvene and, and meet now, and as we have been weekly almost every week uh, since then. Uh, to, to talk about what is involved in making the decision to have church, to not have church.
0: Yeah, there's just so many things involved. I mean, I didn't go to school to be a public health policy nerd, right? It, <laughs> it, uh, but pastors quickly had to uh, understand what was going on with this virus and uh, make choices based on that, and then pivot and think about online services and how to keep the saints connected together uh, while we were apart. Uh, it, was a, it was a challenging time. Um and I'm glad we're on the other side of that.
1: Well, you know, I hear and I hear people again back to the case in Canada and maybe other cases uh, in John MacArthur's church. So, you know what? You can have the church virtually. You can do other things. You don't have to have. We're talking about the way you have church, not whether you have church. And I always say this I mean, Daniel could have simply closed his window. I mean, if it was about complying with it. All he had to do was close his window. As it turned out, he right. kept the window open and wound up in a lion's den. Yep yeah
0: well, what we believe is that church is essential, and that God has commanded believers to regularly gather. Uh, the book of Hebrews says we must not neglect to meet together that gathering together is essential to to the church is what we do where the people of God who come together and glorify God and then scatter the spread the, the gospel. And in fact even the word translated church in the New Testament originally meant assembly. So Sunday is our weekly anniversary of the resurrection of Christ. That's what we celebrate. And you can't meaningfully obey the commands of Jesus without gathering together. And so uh, we knew even when we had to suspend services for I think about 9 weeks, we knew we had to get back and we had to get back quickly. We wanted to do that safely and make accommodations, but Christians must gather together. It's what we do.
1: Again, Boy Johnson, pastor, Treasuring in Christ Church, mentioning John MacArthur before I even knew the name John MacArthur, knew who he was. And it's kind of a long story as to how I found out. Uh, suffice it to say this uh, first, I discovered Robbie Zacharias, the noted Christian apologist, uh, passed away uh, some months ago and has been in the news and not in a good way in recent days, in recent weeks, suffice it to say, and this may be news to people who haven't tracked the story, but it's, it's very prominent news in the evangelical circles. Massive evidence that points to massive sexual misconduct on the part of this man has crushed a lot of people who put a lot of faith in him. What do we say? What do we learn? I, I've said it this way. I, I learned a lot from Ravi Zacharias, and now I'm learning more lessons. What should be our takeaway here?
0: Well, we understand, first of all, that the heart is deceitful and deceptive, uh, but we also understand that uh, we all sin or fall short of the glory of God, and because of that, we need a Savior. We're going to meet a holy God, and we need, uh, we need salvation from, uh, from His wrath, and so we all need to trust in Christ to have our sins forgiven and repent of our sins. And as far as anyone knows, uh, Rabbi died an unrepentant hypocrite and fraud. Uh, and and that's 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 not the only thing that's sad and sickening about this story. The, I think the sad and sickening thing about this story is how many women he abused. And uh, my greatest concern is for all these women who uh, who are out there around the world and I don't, they're going to have to re- live with this the rest of their lives.
1: Uh, quickly, and let you go on this one, uh, Boyd Johnson, much like John MacArthur and others, uh, did expository preaching. Uh, you, you, you go through a book of the Bible, we happen to be going through Philippians now, uh, you'll, you'll spend weeks, months in a given book of the Bible, uh, entire Sundays on a verse or two within that book of that Bible. Uh, tell us about expository preaching, and do it in about 45 seconds.
0: Well, expository preaching is simply that we're trying to explain the meaning of the text that is the 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 central point of the sermon comes from the passage itself we're not just taking a passage and jumping off and talking about something else or telling a lot of stories Uh, my aim is to just explain the passage that's before us so that God's people can apply it to their hearts.
1: And Treasuring Christ Church um, meets weekly, 10.30 on Sunday mornings. Uh, For now in the (coughs) Oconee Gymnastics Center, uh, just off Hog Mountain Road near the Civic Center there in Watkinsville. I've been blessed to be in that church. I I keep forgetting for how long now, I think closing in on a couple of years, uh, that we have been attending that church. Blessed every Sunday. Honored with your presence this morning. Thanks for your time. Best of luck moving forward. Great to talk with you, Tim.